God of light, God who is light and creates light, would you illuminate our hearts and minds this morning? Would you grant us sight? Would you increase our imagination and our vision so that we might see what you are up to in the world through the person of Jesus Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit? We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. I'm Jana. I'm one of the priests here at Incarnation. I want to welcome you, especially if you're joining us for the first time. We're really glad that you're here. I was remembering this week the first time that my husband John and I took our kids to a wedding as new parents. And at the time, we had a two-and-a-half-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old and a, a, a four-month-old. Don't do the math. <laughs> and we were invited. We didn't crash the party, but fortunate for us, the reception was outdoors. So screaming and crying and running, which were a major part of our life at the time, were welcomed. And so about midway through the reception, the waiters and waitresses started walking from table to table with a large champagne bottle and champagne glasses and started passing them out. And our waitress made a second loop to our table with a bottle of grape juice and handed my daughters a long stem glass and I, both of them received that glass in awe. And we filled it up with grape juice and the first toast happened and the cheering and the clinking. And then the second toast happened. And my oldest daughter realized that this was gonna keep going. Like this wasn't, this was just round one. And she needed a little bit more grape juice. And she really wanted to help pour the grape juice. So I held the cup and spotted the bottle, and she started pouring. And she poured and poured, and when she realized it was time to stop pouring, my hands were covered in grape juice, the grape juice was dripping from the stem of the cup, and we were both standing in a little pool of grape juice. Now, from my perspective, how I was able to see the world in that moment. It was a mess. It was such a waste. My hands were sticky and I was so annoyed. But from her perspective and the way that she saw the world, it was utter delight. The perfect amount, an overflowing cup. There was something abundant about the way that she saw the world in that moment that confronted me. She saw something that I failed to see. And I have often asked myself a similar question to what we heard in our gospel reading this morning. Surely we are not blind, are we? Surely I am not the one who cannot see. Surely I am not the one missing what God is up to in the world, in the person of Jesus Christ. Surely we are not blind, are we? 
We pick up our gospel reading this morning with another encounter with Jesus. And as we have been journeying through Lent, we have seen Jesus encounter various individuals in different spots in life. And at each encounter, there is an offer of abundance, an offer of an overflowing cup. Nicodemus, the religious leader that met Jesus in the dark, and Jesus offers him rebirth. And last woman, we saw the woman, we saw that Jesus, last week we saw that Jesus encounters a woman at the well, and he offers living water that doesn't run dry. And this morning, we see that Jesus encounters a man who has been born blind a man who has lived really his entire life up until this point in the dark. And Jesus offers him sight. And right up here at the front of this gospel reading, Jesus corrects the what goes around comes around theology that the disciples held and actually that many of us here today probably hold. Who sinned? that this man was born blind? Him, his parents, who is responsible for this? And Jesus responds, neither. It turns out what goes around does not always come around. This whole way of viewing the world actually doesn't take into account how the world works, that the world is much more strange and dark and complex than that, and even more, that God can take the raw material of our experience, of our suffering, and shine light in the darkest of places and bring healing and wholeness and new life. And then Jesus spits in the ground this raw material of creation from which God created man and woman, and he rubs that mud on the man's eyes, and he sends him to the cleansing waters to wash. And the man arrives at the waters, and he grabs some water and rubs it on his face, and he opens his eyes. And with water and tears dripping down his face, he sees for the very first time in his life, he sees. And the neighbors are very confused, rightly so. Wasn't this the blind man who used to beg on the side of the road? No, it must be somebody else. Maybe his cousin, I hear that the people in his family really, really look alike. And this is a really odd response from his neighbors because they know him. And they, had, they have seen him begging on the road every day as they have passed by him, but they cannot make sense of this. They do not recognize him apart from his blindness. And he is there. And he keeps saying to them, I am the man. I am the one. But they had grown so accustomed to ignoring him that they cannot hear him. 
Surely we are not blind, are we? And then they brought this man to the Pharisees, a group of religious leaders, and then the text tells us immediately after that that it's the Sabbath day. And there's an important connection here between the Pharisees and the Sabbath that I want to spell out for us this morning so that we hear this text well. At this point in history, the people of God are under Roman occupation. So basically their whole way of life is threatened and one of the most immediate threats is the threat of assimilation. That they would lose their identity as the people of God and that they would assimilate into Roman culture and Roman value and Roman worldview. And so these religious leaders, the Pharisees, they actually have a very important role in the community. Their role is to preserve the scriptures and to preserve the way of life for the people of God. They are to remind the people of who they are. And the Sabbath day, keeping the Sabbath was central to that remembering. The Sabbath is the day that the whole community set aside to stop, to rest, to remember that they depend on God alone. They remember that they used to be enslaved in Egypt, but God has set them free, and they are no longer enslaved by their work, that their life and their sustenance and all that they are come from God alone. And this is a deeply important practice to maintaining their identity as a people. So when Jesus sweeps into town and starts healing people on the Sabbath day, Given their context, they start to get anxious. They start to get reactive about this. But the catch is that in their earnestness to keep the Sabbath, they have missed the purpose of the Sabbath. They have failed to see that healing and abundance and sight are in fact what the Sabbath is about and that this man receiving sight on this day is the perfect day, the day that God brings about abundance. And we hear their dialogue, they're trying to work it out. Like, does this healing fit within the parameters of our experience of what God is like? And although for generations they have been recipients of God's abundance, they have forgotten that God overflows their cup and they're divided. They're divided in their view about Jesus. Is he keeping the Sabbath? If he doesn't keep the Sabbath, is he from God? And from where you and I are sitting in the story, our bird's eye view, we might be tempted to look down our noses at what they are so obviously missing the amazing thing that has happened that this man was blind and now he sees. But how often we only see in annoyance that our hands are covered in grape juice and that it's a mess and it's wasteful. Surely we are not blind, are we? So they call the man's parents and they recount the whole story over and it's getting comical by this point how many times the story is recounted again and again and his parents say he will speak for himself. 
They're afraid to acknowledge this abundance. And so finally, the man speaks for himself again, and he bears witness to Jesus. And this is what he says, the thing I know, the thing that I am certain of, is that I was blind, and now I see. And he doesn't have an explanation for it. And there really are no explanations for things that cannot be. All he can do is describe things were this way before, and now things are very, very different. I once was lost, but now I am found. I once was blind, but now I see. And ultimately, the religious leaders, they drive him out of the synagogue, of the worshiping community. And Jesus, who's been absent on the scene since the moment of rubbing mud on his eyes, he reemerges and finds this man a second time. The story here comes full circle. And here, not only are his physical eyes opened, but he comes to see Jesus as he is. That Jesus is God's abundance and he worships. And the movement of this whole narrative is an interesting reversal, which I think illuminates how the kingdom of God works. The one we thought was blind, sees, and the ones we thought could see are in fact blind. And this is the same movement that we heard last week with the Samaritan woman, that the one who we thought was thirsty actually is the living water, and the one who had access to the well actually thirsted. So this invites us to ask ourselves this morning, like where are we in the story? Where do we find ourselves this morning? And some of us are here this morning and we see ourselves in this man who was born blind. We have experienced darkness and we are in fact searching for light. And we're here this morning thinking maybe, just maybe Jesus could offer us sight. And some of us are here this morning like the neighbors. We've seen some things that there's no easy explanation for. Maybe God is breaking into the world in some way, but we're skeptical. We're asking questions, just trying to make sense of our experience. And some of us are here this morning like the Pharisees, and we are convinced that we see, but we are profoundly missing what God is up to in the world, in the person of Jesus Christ. Maybe we lack the imagination, or maybe we're just busy and tired. And I think we can all find ourselves at different spots, and it's probably the case that many of us have been in all of those spots at one time or another. But I want to name for us this morning that no matter where you find yourself, Jesus can meet you there. Jesus can meet you there. And even though there's not some neat, neat clear explanation for why the events of our lives have turned out the way that they have, God's light can in fact shine in the darkest of places. So may we, 
this morning receive sight. May we be healed of our scarcity and self-sufficiency and live into the care of the good shepherd. May our cups overflow and may we come to see that Jesus is God's deep and wide abundance towards us. Amen. I wanna invite you into a moment of silence to give some extra space for the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. And I wanna invite you to sit with this prayer for a moment. God, I want to see. God, I want to see. And some of us might be here this morning and we, we might need to pray the precursor prayer. This is where my prayers often start. God, I want to want. I want to want to see.